Welcome back to the Society Case Files podcast. My name is Robert and I'll be your host. Today I want to talk about some music stuff and then spend a bunch of time on Assassin's Creed. I just finished Assassin's Creed Valhalla after 80 hours and while I still have a few things left I could just wrap up, uh, I, I've pretty much experienced the primary story and done quite a bit with it. So uh, i got a lot to talk about in that regard so I'm going to dive right in. The first thing I'm going to talk about is music stuff, Deadly Nightshade Botanical Society specifically. I just released our CD, Zombie Girlfriend. It's currently available on all of the digital sites, Spotify, iTunes, so on. Uh, Put it through CD Baby for that. Now, if you've been listening for a while or you're familiar with our work, you know that there has been a version of Zombie Girlfriend on the Bandcamp site. And that was more of an EP. Those were songs that I wrote back when I did The Boneyard, but they didn't really fit with The Boneyard itself to release, so I put them out separately. And then, more recently, I added a few more songs to the list, and now it's a full-length nine-song release, and that's why it's currently available the way it is. I had a great time prepping it. I've got some new tools to enhance the sound, and I really like how it came out. So, um, I updated all of the songs on Bandcamp as well. So, if you happen to have purchased it there already, you could just go and download the new versions along with the new songs. If you don't have it yet, well, you can listen to it on Spotify or whatever else you want. And to add to that, I have another new project. Uh, it's, well, it's it's one that I've discussed on here one time or two times before, and it's the CD called Eternity. And it's a musical, it's a vampire musical, uh, rock opera kind of thing. I've been working on that for a very long time, and I finally did release a single song from it and a video. Um, and it is called Control. I'll include the link in the description here. Uh, that song is available as a single from Bandcamp until the rest of the project is done. Um, I will say that there are only three songs that are not complete yet, and we are working on those, and as soon as they are done, we will release Eternity finally. So, very excited about getting that going. Um, sort of on the lines of performance, and just very briefly, I'm working on a, a new... Um, radio drama that is totally separate from everything else. It is set in the society world, but it's just a one-off, and it's a lot of fun. So I'll be recording some of that here real soon, and it should be available, hopefully, by the end of the year. Anyway, let's move on to Assassin's Creed. There are a few titles that I became as passionate about as Assassin's Creed, I was a huge fan of Tomb Raider as well, but for some reason, Assassin's Creed has really kept my attention ever since the very first one. Uh, So back in 2007, apparently I had that on the Xbox 360. I couldn't remember what platform it was on until I did some research. Uh, It's been a while, obviously. And I really loved the collusion of the modern-day stuff and the past stuff. Back then... Leaving the Animus wasn't really as jarring as it became later. Uh, It was actually still fun to sort of try to understand what the heck's going on. And Desmond was a really compelling uh, protagonist to follow around and find out what he, uh, why he had been snatched for this project. Uh, I played the heck out of Assassin's Creed, but uh, probably not as much as the other games, but I did wander around attempting to get achievements and and that sort of thing. Um, in the in the end, I uh, I did manage to track my hours on it, and I put around 19 hours into it, which back then for some reason felt like a lot more than that. Uh, before I got distracted and moved on to something else, and then after that game. Um, Assassin's Creed 2 came out, and a friend had it before I did, and I saw it, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is way cooler, just because I I liked the Renaissance look, and and the graphics had improved. So, I grabbed that, and played the heck out of it. Um, Although, looking at the hours, apparently not too much more than the last one, since I only had 22 hours uh, to complete it. But uh, it was still a great time, and I loved Ezio. And I liked the the new focus outside of the Animus, so that was really neat too. I felt like they really did enhance the world outside of the Animus in a really neat way by allowing Desmond to escape, and then you really get to delve into what's going on with his life. Um, One of the coolest parts about 
Ezio for me was that he basically got two more games that were not numbered. So Brotherhood and Revelations. Both of which I think I liked more than any of the other games that came out. Now, I do remember very clearly that when Brotherhood came out, I think I borrowed it from somebody. But I didn't play for very long because I was super achievement-obsessed back then. More than I was about story. I just had to get achievements. This was in 2010. And there was one achievement in particular that I was struggling to get where you had to do some perfect counters without being hit or something like that. And it just frustrated me so much that I actually gave up on Brotherhood back then. I gave up on Assassin's Creed games for a while, actually. And I'm not entirely sure why. I think I just got distracted with other things completely, whether it was you know work-related or uh, music, whatever the case may be. Uh, I didn't come back to Brotherhood and Revelations until I played them on PC. And then with Brotherhood, I busted that one out in 20 hours. And then Revelations, I actually beat in 12 hours. And that's because I didn't do any of the upgrades or anything. I just pretty much played the story. Now, that's not to say that I didn't enjoy Revelations. In fact, I feel that Revelations was one of my favorite stories. Uh, Brotherhood suffered from uh, the pretty standard Assassin's Creed problem up to that point of just being really truncated at the end, where all of a sudden everything comes to a head in a massive rush, and then it's just over. Like, all of a sudden, we're either skipping years or we're skipping tons of months and just stuff's happening, and then they wrap it up, and you're done. And you're like, wow, what what happened there? Why was it that the beginning plodded along and then the very end, we just, you know, jump around so much? So, in any event, I beat those two on the PC, and I absolutely love them. I did not like the gameplay of Assassin's Creed 3 at all. For some reason, it just didn't do anything for me. I do have the remastered edition uh, on my PlayStation because I bought the super fancy edition of Odyssey and it came with it. I haven't downloaded it. I haven't tried it again. I don't really know how much they enhance the graphics, but I'll probably take a look soon. But I do know the story and I did kind of like what they did there. I liked the fact that you started with one character and then moved on to their son, basically. That was pretty neat. Um, But all around, Assassin's Creed 3 really didn't do a lot for me as far as the gameplay goes. So I had to watch the cutscenes so I knew what happened to Desmond (laughs) since that's the last game that he played. And honestly, I didn't know what happened to him until I started playing Black Flag, which was really jarring because I was like, what is going on in this modern day nonsense? Uh, Where's Desmond? What happened? So I had to go back and check all that out. So... uh, I, I don't know what, what what I was thinking or why I didn't pursue it more than, um, you know, Assassin's Creed 3 came out in 2012, so um, maybe I just wasn't focusing on the internet as much back then. I can't say. I can't remember. But when Black Flag came out, it holds the distinction for a couple of things for me. First off, I still had an Xbox 360, and I bought Black Flag for it. And I will tell you right now, it was hard to play. I I was getting seasick with the stagger and everything else that it struggled with um, on the ocean. Um, And considering how often you were going to be at sea, I I thought that might be a big problem. Um, Pretty much the next day after I got it, a friend and I at our lunchtime went to Best Buy. And we're standing around in the console area. He's looking at games. And this guy comes out and he's like, hey, we had our big launch for the Xbox One. And this day one edition was lost in the back. Do either of you want it? (laughs) So I'm like, done, right now. So I just impulse bought it, brought it home, spent the $10 to upgrade my black flag. And it was really cool to be able to see the previous generation and the new generation uh, that close together and really appreciate how much they changed. Because all of a sudden, black flag was very playable and it was fantastic and it looked great. So I had a lot of fun playing it. And uh, and I really just, I dove in. It was one of the best gaming experiences for Assassin's Creed. And apparently there is a Pirates game coming out from them that, that follows the formula that we got from that game. But uh, for whatever reason, it's been delayed uh, over and over and over again. But uh, I had a fantastic time with Black Flag all the way through. It did suffer from the truncated ending. There's a bunch of stuff that just happens super fast, and you're like, what? what's going on? 
why? Why why did you choose to do that? But beyond that, it was it was still fun. Now, I should also say I don't really do the DLC from Assassin's Creed games very often because they tend to come out so far after the game the initial game does that I've moved on. For example, with Valhalla, whatever DLC they come out with beyond the the Beowulf one, uh, it will come out after Cyberpunk, and I will probably be playing Cyberpunk. So I can't really see that I'm going to go back just to do like a 20 or 30 minute DLC thing. That's uh, just me. Uh, I don't know. I don't necessarily know why. It's probably why I didn't really play Freedom Cry from Assassin's Creed Black Flag um, or any of the uh, other crazy stuff that's come out since then. Um, I will talk about one of those in a moment. Um, but after Black Flag, uh, Rogue came out, and it was only for the 360 at the time. And I had gotten rid of my 360 in lieu of the fact that I was just going to be playing on the Xbox One. So I ended up playing that game on the PC, and I had a lot of fun with Rogue. Um, it was it was a really great experience. And because it's pretty much just Black Flag in a different part of the world, that was pretty neat too as far as gameplay concerned or is concerned. Uh, let me let me take one step back. Black Flag took me 32 hours to beat. And I thought, oh my goodness, that is a lot of time I've spent into this game. Um, Rogue didn't take that long. It was only 20 hours. And there is a slightly funny story about Rogue. Um, I bought one of those Steam boxes uh, from Alienware. And I had it hooked up to my uh, TV. And oh my goodness, it was atrocious. It was so terrible <laughs> it barely ran rogue and so i actually returned it to uh, amazon because it was just so ridiculous it was definitely not the gaming uh solution i was looking for uh and ended up just upgrading my pc for later gaming but that's how i beat rogue and maybe that's why i only spent 20 hours on it i can't say so after that, Unity came out. Assassin's Creed Unity, and that was 2014. Actually came out the same time as Rogue, but they actually link up uh, story-wise. So like basically the end of Rogue is the start of Unity. And unfortunately, I played Unity before Rogue um, and then beat Rogue afterwards. Um, Unity, I really loved the aesthetic of it, and I liked the fact that they had this new engine. There was a lot of really cool things, but as I'm sure anyone who knows anything about Assassin's Creed knows it was just mired in bugs. They tried to do some multiplayer stuff with it and uh, it kind of got crapped on pretty hard. Um, I only spent 18 hours on the game. I pretty much just wanted to beat it, but I really liked the main character in it and I really enjoyed it. There are some things that Assassin's Creed tends to do to its characters that are just, they're just annoying. Uh, at some point, Dorian has a, a setback and he ends up just becoming a drunk and he wakes up in a stable and it I just kind of draw exception to the fact that that's the path he would take after everything else he'd seen so I don't know um they do that a lot and um it's 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 just frustrating and Odyssey suffered from it very 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 minorly um but Valhalla also suffers from from some problems too so Anyway, I liked Unity. I know that a lot of people didn't, but I had a lot of fun with it. Um, I played some of those Chronicles games as well. I tried China and I tried India. I own all of them, and they're kind of fun little side-scrollers. Uh, they generally take between four and six hours to beat. Um, they're, they're, they're a fun distraction, and they kind of add something different to the Assassin's Creed genre, but for the most part, they're just, they're just a, a time sink. So let's talk about Assassin's Creed Syndicate. I absolutely loved everything about Syndicate. I had a fantastic time with it. Um, I put in 27 hours to finish that one. It was just super fun. I loved the characters. I liked the story. Um, it pretty much covered all the bases for me. It Once again, it suffered from the same thing I've talked about, where the end of the game just feels like they're just cramming it together to get it done. But for the most part... There was just tons of cool stuff. In fact, I reinstalled it recently to try it again. Um, I haven't really put too much time into it because when I loaded up the game, uh, I was able to start right where I left off, which was which was the mistake. I wanted to start from the beginning, but I didn't. Um, in any event, 
I had a great time with that game. And it is one of the few that I tried a uh, DLC for, the Jack the Ripper one. And now there's a couple reasons that I had to at least look at it. And one of them was the person who voices Jack the Ripper is someone I really like, Alec Newman. Uh, he plays Paul Atreides in the Dune miniseries that came from the Sci-Fi Channel, and he's really cool. So I wanted to do it, but it was super repetitive, and it was just kind of silly, I, and I just I couldn't get into it. So I did not actually even finish that DLC. Um, it sort of verified that I didn't like AC DLC, uh, but to be totally fair, uh, I probably... I probably am not qualified to say that it's not good because I, I haven't tried any more than that. So anyway, so that was Syndicate. I had a great time. It was super fun. And it was also the last time that Assassin's Creed followed a more adventure game format rather than the role-playing game format that we have now. I didn't mention Assassin's Creed Liberation uh, since it was out for the PlayStation Vita. And I really liked the concept of the game and I played it for a little while but the graphics by the time I tried it were just jarring and it was it, it just didn't look very good but it seemed like a really awesome game and I wish I would have played it right when it came out but at the same time it did have the limitations of the Vita and uh, so whatever it got translated to ended up kind of looking not so great either but uh, anyway moving on to Origins Origins really jarred me because I found the game to be very difficult to get into for a variety of reasons. The first thing is I didn't do any sort of research on the game. I don't watch a whole lot of videos before I buy a game. Mostly I'd like to be surprised by it. And usually I know if I'm going to get a game before I even think about checking out a video. I don't need anyone to give me ideas or opinions on a game before I'm I'm in. Um often. And in the case of Origin, I love the idea of being in Egypt, and that's pretty much all I needed. So I grab the game, and I start playing it, and the very beginning is just jarring because you don't even know who Bayek is. And it took a while to find out what's even going on. And by the time we learned that, it was just, it was just strange, and I just didn't feel part of the story yet. And couple that with this leveling system and how all of a sudden there's a whole bunch of villains that are just gated by experience points and I'm not huge into those role playing games anymore had that come out way at the beginning had they released it in 2007 and Altair would have had to level up then maybe then I would have I would have been into this role playing system more but as it stood there was just so much jarring about Origins that I did not finish it. Uh, it was it was neat, and I loved the graphics, and I loved all of the the environments, and it, all of that stuff was great. And the guy who voices Bayek is freaking amazing. And Bayek himself is an awesome looking character. Um, but for all the reasons I mentioned, I I just gave up. Now. I can't say why I gave Odyssey a chance because it was going to use the same darn system as Origins. But when I found out that you start the game as Leonidas, and I can't remember how I figured that out, I was like, okay, I'm in. And it was like they spent the time mastering this role-playing system and repairing it. Now, to be fair, I don't know how much changed between Origins and Odyssey. And I'd really like to go back to Origins and give it another shot and really try to finish the game and see what I missed and, and how different it is from Odyssey. But for whatever reason, Odyssey clicked with me. Uh, I think it might be that it starts earlier and it establishes the character. That's something that's very important to me in the Assassin's Creed games. It didn't matter as much in the very first game because that was the first time we've ever experienced any of this stuff. But once they started with Assassin's Creed 2, with Ezio as a younger person getting into the Assassins, that sort of established a tradition of giving you these characters earlier so that you understood them. They didn't do that so much in Syndicate, but I feel like the initial quest gave you a lot of great uh, uh, background for those characters. And that's what's really important to me, is some background. Um, 
Black Flag did it with flashbacks. But um, Bayak's story, at least at the very beginning, is just sort of conversations help you to establish how he got to the point he's at. Um, but with Odyssey, you start out as just some random mercenary who's actually kind of crap and really low spectrum as far as that's concerned. And then as you progress in the game, you learn more about your family and, and you experience this ascension to the point that, you know, you end with this crazy staff thing. What I liked a lot about Odyssey is that we had the assassination tree. Now, I understand that that's in Origins as well, but um, I didn't get to to the point to play with that so much. But you've got the uh, the crazy cultists that you've got to hunt down and then on top of that you've got the the mercenaries that as you defeat them you move up in rank so those two things just really appeal to me for whatever reason i like having a checklist of things to go through and finish and do and uh and odyssey nailed that for me so i had a fantastic time with odyssey and uh when all said and done i played odyssey for 76 hours i just loaded it up the other day to see that and was actually pretty surprised um i find it interesting i'm guessing that origin would have been pretty darn close to the 60 hour range as well just looking at how the hours worked for me in assassin's creed games in general um you know they hovered right around the 18 to 25 hour range to sort of get the main story and some extras, whether, you know, you wandered around and just upgraded some gear or uh, did a few extra side quests or whatever. And then, and then after unity, I'm sorry, after syndicate, they just said, you know what? We're done. We're going to make these beasts. And then it's 76 hours for Odyssey. For me, it was 80 hours in Valhalla. And again, I'm not even done in Odyssey, when I loaded it up, I had a ton of side quests that I didn't finish. I had just, I got the best ending with the family, and I got a whole bunch of stuff done uh, with the assassins thing, and I maxed out my level. I got to the top tier of the mercenary, and I assassinated everybody on the uh, cult. So, I kind of felt like I was done, even though there was more to do. Moving on to Valhalla. So, there's a lot of stuff that's right about Valhalla. First off, it's my first game for the Xbox Series X, um, but I did play it on the PC first. I paid Uplay Plus. I was just going to play it here, but I will tell you, my computer's kind of beastie, and it did not handle Valhalla at all. Valhalla was way too tough for it, and um, I had to play it in HD, even though I've got a 4K monitor, and it was just a little bit choppy. Not too bad, uh, and only in certain certain situations but I really didn't enjoy how how it looked there so then I got my Xbox and so I I just picked up Valhalla for that and immediately the graphics uh, improvement was super obvious just like my Black Flag experience from the Xbox 360 to the Xbox One the uh, the difference between basically HD version of the game to the Series X was pretty dramatic. Now, that was probably the most important thing as far as changing from the PC to the Xbox was just getting that better graphical experience. I mean, this is supposed to be a next-gen game as far as these Xbox and PlayStation 5 nonsense things go. But more to the point, I felt like I needed that for the full experience. And when you first start the game... It's really icy and snowy, and it does look great, don't get me wrong, but I don't really feel like the game takes on a life of its own until you get to England. And by the way, that took a long freaking time. I wandered all throughout Norway and did everything you possibly could before moving on, and so I didn't see the credits for the game. I think it was 10 hours? Might have been around 7. can't remember specifically, but it took a while. So then you get to England, and it was just incredible. There are shots that I've taken from the game that are jaw-dropping. It's a gorgeous game. Absolutely stunning. Um, There's some really strange decisions that they made for gameplay. Uh, They changed the leveling system. So there's no more of the level per se, but now there's these basically power levels. that feels a little bit like Destiny in one way. 
because it doesn't matter what you've spent your points on. If you don't meet or at least get close to the required power for us for a location, you could pretty much be killed in two or three shots. So even though I've gone through and taken every single point in life and every point in uh, melee damage, I still can't take on certain things at all. It's gated. It's gated behind this power level. And that gets a little frustrating in certain regards. There's things that you just can't pursue until you've pretty much beaten the game. Uh, For example, there are some really neat gear sets or even weapons that I wouldn't mind having, like Excalibur is one of those. But in order to do it, you've got to be really close to power level 340. And if you're not there, it's, it's practically impossible because some of the guys you have to fight, you pretty much can't beat them. And... There's, there's Thor's gear set as well. You could get pieces along the way, but you can't actually finish the set until you're at least 340. Now, I finished the game, uh, the, the main storyline, the assassin stuff, uh, and I finished at 308 power level. So in order to finish the very last section of the game, uh, there's one more zone that I can do. I need to get, uh, what, 23 more power levels. And then I can do the last section of the game. And then if I wanted, I could go out and get all this gear that I've been ignoring. But what is the point? That's my question. Is it just a habit? Is it just to buy some more time? Because what are you going to use it on? There's not a new game plus yet. And just wandering around fighting random guards is not necessarily the most fun thing in the world. In fact, the combat, while it has been fun, does run into a problem of being very repetitive in a couple of ways. So when you're playing Valhalla, you've got your light attacks and heavy attacks. You've got a special attack. You've got a bow. But when you are just the semantics of it, you've got an um, endurance meter. And that endurance meter allows you to dodge around and use specific powers and that kind of thing. And the villains also have a form of of stamina that when you break that down, you can initiate a sort of execution move. Those execution moves were really awesome for the first two hours of the game. But after that, seeing a new one, no. They're, They're all pretty much exactly the same. Depends on the weapon that the person's carrying. But you're going to pretty much see the same things over and over and over again. And I don't really understand. (laughs) They had to know. Because I played Assassin's Creed Valhalla for 80 hours. And there's easily another 20 hours of gameplay in there. They had to know that you're going to spend this at least 100 hours on this game if you're really dedicated. So they should have added more animations. I don't know why they didn't. But it was a silly decision on their part. As far as the story goes, I actually really liked it. Um, I love the fact that you start off with Eivor as a child and then um, play them again later as an adult. Now, they do suggest that years pass at a certain point, and I didn't get that feeling. I didn't get that sense. I guess I should have because it does make some comments here and there. It just doesn't feel like that much time has passed. And that's kind of a fault of Assassin's Creed games because they are set in an open world where you could just wander around and do stuff. But every time you do a uh, mission, it's supposed to advance the time. I think it would have been nice to show like a date when you started a, a, a mission and then advance it or something. I don't know. Somehow they should have found a way to convey time passing so that by the end when they're like, it's been years, I'm like, it feels like it's been a week. But... Whatever. What I have to say now, from this point on, involves a lot of spoilers. So, if you have played Valhalla, but you're not done yet, or you don't want to hear spoilers, you don't want to know sort of what goes on after this, then you probably want to stop now and just, you know, turn off the podcast and, and walk away. But if you don't care, or you have beaten it, and you just want to hear what I ha- what I think... Then uh, let's let's dive into these spoilers. Um, I'm going to start now. 
Assassin's Creed Valhalla puts you in the role of a character who has to forge alliances throughout England so that your settlement will survive. And the idea is that you also have a list of jerks that you have to go around and assassinate who are basically like the cult from Odyssey. And you've got assassins hanging out in your settlement, and they basically give you these missions. As you start the game, you're given two choices of where to go to begin your conquest of England. And they're both very low level. They're 20th, uh, they're 20 power level. And one of them you do pretty much alone, and the other one you do with your character's sort of stepbrother, Sigurd. Now, at first, Sigurd seems like he's going to be really cool. And... The relationship they have is pretty genuine. But as you play through the game, you kind of find that Sigurd's a jackass. Not only is it his problem, though, it's some of the people back at your settlement as well. When you finally do meet up with Sigurd to help him basically forge one of the alliances that you're supposed to do, he doesn't really do anything. You do all the work, which it's your video game. I'm not saying that you should ever be sitting around. But story-wise, your character does all the work. You go out and do all the killing. <laughs> you do most of the talking. It's pretty ridiculous. And then he's like, all right, I'm going to this other zone to prep it so that we can make things happen. And then I went off and did my own zone. And I made a new pledge. And another one. <laughs> and then I'm talking to my people back at the settlement. And one of them is, like, giving me a hard time. Acting like I'm trying to usurp the authority of Sigurd. Because he's the Jarl. He's in charge. Which didn't make any sense. There's no overtones of that. She doesn't say anything that suggests that. She doesn't do anything but support everyone there. She's building their homes. She's bringing the resources back to do these things. To make the settlement better. And it's always her. It's always her. So she heads off to meet up with Sigurd again. And once again, he does nothing but sort of wander around and you know, tell you what to do sometimes. But then it comes to a head when he decides that he's not going to tell you anything. He's just like, just trust me, we've got to do whatever we're doing. And that got really frustrating as a player as well, because it's like, dude, <laughs> I am absolutely the only reason we're surviving here in England. Why are you even thinking it's okay to not give, just bring me in on it? Just tell me what's going on. And that's all that the character wanted too. She's just like, dude, just tell me what you're doing so that I understand. And there comes a point where you have a decision to make. And he makes this call that basically is going to betray someone. And you have the choice to back his play or say, no, I don't break my oaths. And this is one of the parts of the game that I felt was very poorly written. Because on one hand, he's like, the only important thing is what I'm doing. So that betrayal doesn't matter because that dude would never be able to successfully pull off what he's trying to do anyway. But then in the same sentence, he's like, I wasn't actually going to betray him. <laughs> I was totally on his side. I was lying so that we could get what we needed. And then later, despite the fact that he just said there's no way that this guy can do what we need him to do, he's ordering him to do it. Fortunately, that guy waited for me and was like, I'm not going to do anything until Eivor tells me to. Which right there, that tells you that Eivor is the one who's making these, these unions and is building a better place in England. And it also is a point that you really understand that Eivor is not an assassin. She's not there for some big grand cause of killing Templars. She's doing it. Because she's cool and nice to Haytham, the guy back at your camp. But her primary goal, the only reason she's in England, is to make a better place for her people. So, um, at a certain point in the game, Sigurd is captured by this complete psychopath. And you've had a vision about some of this, where he loses his arm and is just a weirdo. But... When it does happen, it's kind of like, well, I mean, he wasn't doing anything anyway. So let's let's save him, obviously. But in order to do so, we need to ensure that we have all of the alliances we can get. So I had to go and do a couple more of the pledges on the map 
before we could go and take on this army and then save Sigurd. And we go through all of the process and, and it was, it was actually a pretty epic moment. There, there's some things that they force you to sort of embrace. And I think that it was very ill conceived. They're constantly saying that your character is this hothead and that you just do stuff. But the reality of the situation is that she's really level-headed, and oftentimes she's the, the calming voice in a situation. But they really wanted to play up this concept that other people saw you as this glory hound. And I didn't see that. I mean, she liked fighting, obviously, and she loved what she did, but she never was the kind of character that they tried to convey. She never tried to usurp anything. In fact, she was very uncomfortable about stepping into Sigurd's shoes because it was his job, even though he was doing jack about it. He was never there. And yet, here I am, roaming around the countryside trying to make the settlement better, and people are giving me crap whenever I show up, and they're like, where have you been? It's like, what do you want me to do? You guys need stuff in order to make this place better. comes to a head when one of your people finally challenges you and i'm going to tell you i was ready to put him down he was so obnoxious just constantly complaining and so i finished him off and and wrapped that up and uh you know a bunch of people are like whoa i can't believe it but I'm, I'm very surprised by that because many times in the game we find out how the danes deal with that sort of duel and it's a duel to the death and when it's done in an honorable fashion where the two, you know, nobody does anything wonky to, to, to hurt each other. As long as it comes out okay, uh, you know, nobody should be too upset. But everyone was just like, well, I can't believe you did that. It's like, have you heard what he's been saying for the last month, I guess? Anyway, so when you finish him off, you have some choices. You can help him have his axe so he can go to his death honorably, or you can kick it aside. Now, I have to be honest... <laughs> I did kick it aside just because I was so annoyed with him. And and you have Odin chirping in your ear. And he's telling you, you know what? I don't want this guy at my table. So I'm like, well, if Odin doesn't want you there, then I'm going to deny you. So there are several events throughout the game. I, I think there's five. And if you do any three of them wrong, then you get a quote-unquote sad ending to the game. So when you finally get Sigurd back, he is just an ass. Uh, he does He does a judgment that's very unfair, and I argued with him about it. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff that just happened, and I really struggled, because why did I care about this guy? He has done nothing but complain. He thinks he's a god. It's just insane stuff. And finally, he convinces me to take him to Norway. So we go to Norway, so he can just talk trash to his dad for pretty much no reason. And then... We hop on the boat, we go to the northernmost point of the of the zone, walk through the snow, and we get to, like, some old Isu temple place. And as we wander around and find stuff, we discover an, basically an ancient animus. It kind of looks like the one from the movie, because it attaches up to your back and lifts you up in the air. And we end up in a simulation of Valhalla. And it's some place that Sigurd can basically control. And... Your character very quickly realizes that this is not for her, and she decides to dump uh, dump out. And there's a big struggle. It was actually pretty epic. It was bugged, I'd like to say. Um, they did fix it in patch 1.04, but I don't know what happened. Mine was bugged until I completely restarted the Xbox, and then I was able to progress and finish it. So we come out, and here is Bassey. And he is this assassin guy who's been mentoring and sort of helping you guys out throughout the whole game. And then you have to fight him. And, man, he was he was an ass. And, and he was pretty tough. But it ends with him getting caught by the Animus. And he's stuck there. And you're like, whatever. You know, let's just uh, leave him here. I don't know why they didn't put an arrow in his face. But I guess they're like, it's better that he just sit up there for however long before he dies. So your two characters wander off, and this is where Sigurd sits you down, and he basically tells you how disappointed he is in you if you did any of those, you know, three of those five things I was talking about. And he, and he lists them out. And I don't know if I was supposed to, like, feel guilty about them or what, but, I mean, 
the things that he was calling out, I'm like, yeah, you are an asshole. What do you, why do I care about your opinion right now? And in the end, he decides, well, you're, so by the way, no matter what, good or bad ending, he decides that you're going to be the Jarl, okay? But if it's the bad one, he just guilts you about it and makes you feel really bad because you didn't back his plays and, and all this other nonsense. And then he's like, so see ya. And you're like, wait, what? Yeah, I'm just going to stay here. And do what? And do what? You got no arm. It's the middle of the icy tundra. <laughs> but even if he does go back with you in the good ending, which I went and watched on YouTube because I certainly was not going to put another 70 hours into the game to find out. He just basically has you sit in the chair and then steps down as the Jarl. So, I mean, I'd rather not have Sigurd around. He never did anything. He just complained. And just to have him moping around with no arm, I just, I mean, I feel like I got a better ending through the sad ending. So, I didn't like any of that. It was just ridiculous. But then when you finish that segment, you come out of the Animus. And you basically know where the temple is, and so you can go and try and save the world. Because effectively what's happened is that uh, there was the, in the Desmond time, there's this big solar flare. And you guys turned on this old Isu artifact that protected the Earth with an electromagnetic field. Well, it's been getting too strong, and it's now threatening the Earth again. So you've got to basically tone it down. Not shut it off. Just tone it down so it's still protecting the earth. It's just not cooking us or whatever is happening. So when you get to the temple as um, Layla, you've got this staff from Odyssey. And that, that staff keeps you safe. You basically can't get hurt or die with it. And so she gets in there, and when the Animus touches her, she drops the staff. And you encounter Basim there. And Basim is like, hey, I've got uh, some advice for you. And you follow his advice, and then he's gone, and you're talking to someone who basically tells you what's going on and what they're doing there. And they're trying to plot out a way to save the Earth from this happening again. And that person tells Layla, hey, you know what? You don't have long. There's a lot of radiation in that chamber, and you're going to die. And she's like, oh, no, it's no big deal. I've got the staff of, uh, you know, from Odyssey. I'll be fine. And they're like, no, you don't. And that's when you realize that Basim has left that animus and now has the staff himself. He's basically healed himself. And Layla's stuck. Now, I'm not a huge fan of the modern-day stuff anymore. I didn't really like Layla much. She really did seem like she complained way too much for someone who was trying to basically find um, redemption for working for Abstergo. But the fact that she basically was the person that sat in the Animus for 80 hours of my gameplay. So I really had to wonder, how am I even going back into the Animus so that I could continue on to, you know, wrap up whatever I didn't do? And that's when Basim shows up and starts talking to Sean and Rebecca. And he's like, here's a video or a, a recording from Layla that basically tells you that she doesn't want to come out and everything's good. And as those two basically leave the house, probably happy to be alive. Basim goes out and talks to the grave of Eivor and talks a bunch of shit. And then he goes back in and he hops into the Animus and he's like, the bleeding effect won't take long to, to take effect for me. And now suddenly you're playing Eivor through Basim. And while you never really hear Layla's voice through the game, unless you do an anomaly, there is a a side quest anomaly thing that, that you play as her instead of Eivor. Um, but for some reason to me, and this could just totally be me, it felt insanely violating to be in Eivor's shoes knowing that it's Basim who has initiated the simulation. It felt gross and just slimy. I mean, he was a pile of crap. And the fight at the end was brutal. And yeah, you do win, obviously. And he's even confused about it. But the fact that he is now in her mind, I don't know. It's just really icky. And I found it very hard to want to wanna get involved in it. But, um, you know, those are just some of the concerns that I had about the end. 
I have no idea what's going to happen next, which is both cool and, and surprising. But um, because of that ending and what I just described, I've got to say, I'm I'm not a big fan of the way that they took um, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I wish that it would have been a little different. Um, I don't know. Um, I just didn't like that ending it just like i said it felt gross so ultimately um that is what probably puts the game a little lower in my estimation um and i'm going to tell you my my top my my basically my 12 um i've i've organized the assassin's creed games from my most favorite to my least favorite and uh, i'll i'll get into those in just a moment but I'm going to say this. I never left the Animus unless I had to in Valhalla. But apparently, if you do, the characters have different dialogue and they, they update you and they give you you know, more about the modern day. I really lost interest in the modern day when they killed off Desmond and they did not already have a character to take his place. They really needed him to hand the torch off to someone else to be the main character. Sean and Rebecca are cool and all. But they're not main characters. You know, Layla is the new main character. And you have to do too much digging to really find out much about her. Something interesting before I do my my list. Uh, I did read an email in the game. And Layla's brother or relative had written her and asked her if she had COVID. I was like, wow, that's that's modern and topical. Anyway, let's talk about my list. My favorite game from the Assassin's Creed series as far as story is concerned, is Assassin's Creed Revelations. Ezio's final story was just awesome. Just amazing. I cried my eyes out at the end. I had such a great time. I'd spent so much time with that character, I felt it was a very fitting conclusion to his story. And number two is Brotherhood. I absolutely love that game too. It was just fantastic. Um, next is Assassin's Creed 2. I guess I'm just a huge Ezio fanboy. He was awesome. Uh, number four on my list is the original Assassin's Creed game. Um, where it all started was important, but I really liked Altair. Now, the game itself was very repetitive, and it had the same rotation of gameplay throughout. But we couldn't expect too much. It was the very first time they tried it. So, still a great game. Number five on that list is Black Flag. I love pirates. I loved Kenway. I loved everything about that game. It was just awesome. It only doesn't beat out any of the games above it because the story for it, as far as assassiny stuff, just wasn't quite as well thought out or interesting. Plus, he was one of the first characters that was not an assassin and just sort of fell into it. The next game on my list is Rogue. I really loved the switch up that your character betrays the order and becomes a Templar. That was so creepy and really neat. So I had a fun uh, a fun time with that one too. After that, I'd have to say it's Syndicate. I just loved the Victorian era, and Jacob and Evie were awesome. And it was really neat that you could switch between the two characters and that they had slightly different play styles all around a great game. And also, you might notice that my top six, I'm sorry, my top seven are all the games that had the original system, the original method of playing the game, um, before we move into the the more role-playing style ones. Uh, Next on the list is Odyssey, and that just comes down to the fact that there was so much cool stuff to do. The mercenaries, the cult, uh, even the story was really cool, the formation of your family again, uh, just the Spartan aspect of it. I love the movie 300 and this really did give you a 300 vibe. So syndicate very high on my list. Um, only not in the top five because I loved Ezio so much. And I really still, despite acclimating to it, I didn't like the leveling system. I don't like the role playing system as much after Odyssey. I have to put Valhalla, even though I have all those complaints that I mentioned in the spoilers, I still loved the gameplay, and I loved the environments. It was just really awesome. Um, It was a lot of fun. Obviously, I put 80 hours into it, so I wasn't that frustrated. 
but uh, you've already heard my complaints. Number 10, I put Unity on there, and that's mostly because of all the bugs. I love the story, and I love the character, but it just, it suffered from being a brand new engine, and there was some ambition there that they really wasted time on that I don't think was a good idea. But I still had a great time playing it. I just, uh, it's, it's lower on my list than the other games. Number 11 is Origin, and that's simply because I couldn't beat it, and it was too jarring for me to get into the role-playing aspect. I mean, I'd played a lot of Assassin's Creed games that didn't have all that stuff, and then it was just a big jump for me. Uh, they didn't do as good of a job establishing the character immediately, which, for me, establishment is very important in anything. Shows, movies, games, I need to be established with the character within the first hour or two or I'm not interested, and or I lose interest, I should say. And then number 12, and this is based solely on gameplay, is Assassin's Creed 3. For whatever reason, the gameplay in that one just really didn't click with me at all, and I did not have fun with it. It just felt clunkier. So uh, that's why it gets to the bottom of the list. And that's it. That is my Assassin's Creed ramble. I know that was probably really long, but uh, I did spend a lot of time on Valhalla and had some serious opinions. I wanted to get them out somewhere, and Facebook didn't seem like the right place for it. So here we are, doing a, doing a podcast. And I had a lot of fun talking about Assassin's Creed. I've written a big article about it where I broke down the games long before uh, Origins came out. And, uh, I don't know, I, I really enjoy chatting about Assassin's Creed and, and the, the mythos they've created. I enjoyed the movie, and I'm glad that uh, Ubi has made the movie part of the canon, because I think it was fun. I didn't have a problem with it. But, uh, anyway, if you have played the Assassin's Creed games, you have some equally powerful opinions about it, I'd love to hear from you. You can drop me a line, you can comment on the podcast somehow, go to the facebook page or coffee whatever you want to do i would love to hear from you but i think that is it for this podcast and i want to thank you very much for visiting today and listening to what i had to say if you liked what you heard and you want to hear more please visit our website at www.societycasefiles.com or if you'd like to support the project visit www.ko-fi.com slash society case files thanks again i look forward to talking to you again soon have a great one